Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Board Meetings, where I chat about woodworking with my fellow Wood Whisperer Guild members. On today's installment, I discuss twisted boards with Dax, a warped bridal joint with Will, and Cyclone Dust Collection with Jay. Let's dig right in. So uh, my question is, I'm starting to mill my uh, Cypress for the Adirondack chair. Okay. And I'm noticing that, uh, you know, I got 10-foot-long boards, and I started to cut them uh, into lengths for the parts that I needed. Mm -hmm. And I don't, you know, when I picked out the boards from the... um, the lumber yard they looked you know fairly straight but once i cut them into smaller pieces i noticed that they were you know starting to twist okay and so you know i sort of i worked a little bit at it with a you know with a um uh, with my plane and before i put it through my thickness planer and you know still you know there's some twist in there you know i mean i don't know if it, that kind of wood maybe it's you know, it's not as hard, so it's more apt to twist and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's it's hard to say. I wouldn't necessarily blame the the wood species uh, so much as perhaps it's wood that isn't fully acclimated. Maybe it's got a little too much moisture. And you know what, man? I've actually had boards that just had a mind of their own, and no matter what I did, no matter how long I let them sit, they were either right. uh, what they call case hardened, or there were some odd growth properties that just caused it to twist and bow and just be a problem the entire time. So. Uh, right. some, some wood is just like that, uh, with that particular stuff. If, uh, if you, well, where do you live in Portland, Oregon? Okay. So you're going to have uh, high humidity and things like that, that you're going to be dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that in certain conditions, in certain environments, it's a good idea to have, uh, one of those humidity or, um, uh, moisture meters for your uh-huh. lumber. And that way you can kind of have a real good idea of exactly where it's at when you get it in the shop and know where you want it to be eventually. Uh, because if it's a high moisture content, a lot of times, if you're especially if you happen to take a little more off of one side than you do off of the other, uh, uh-huh. th- that thing is going to potato chip on you. So, um, so it's hard to say, and it may just be something where these boards just need to sit for a little while. Certainly, right. certainly, if they're warping on you right away, it's probably not a good time to work with them. Um, okay. But when you do decide to mill them, try to mill them evenly on both sides so that it's losing moisture from both sides of the board equally, and that should put the cards in your favor. Uh, but if you're looking to build right away, you may you may need to hold off on that particular stock. Okay. 
Um, at this point, I mean, how much extra material do you have? Was it just uh, um, like 15 uh standard four-quarter rough stuff? or? Yeah, yeah, it's just standard four-quarter. Yeah, because uh, you just kind of have to sometimes make a judgment call because when I have wood that I'm trying to hurry to the point that I could work with it, I will pre-mill it a little bit and take a little bit off both sides and then let it sit and do its thing. But if you know that that thing is really going to start to warp even more, you certainly can't afford to take much material away you know, before that point. So... Right. Uh, you sort of have to make a judgment call on whether or not you should do that. But that's, you know, sometimes it's just best to put the pile on the side, maybe even call the place and ask them how long have they had that batch. Right, you know, right. Maybe they got it in, uh, you know, recently and it's it's very fresh and has a little bit more moisture than you really want it to have. And just depending on how, you know, the weather is here, I mean, that, that determines how long it's going to take to dry out and then... Yeah, it flattens out a little bit. Or... Yeah, and if if you're in a high humidity environment, it doesn't necessarily have to go as low because your natural environment is a little bit higher in humidity. Just the normal way it's going to exist in your shop is going to be higher than say what it would be like if it was in my shop, uh, just because it's so darn dry here. So. Yes, I mean, it, it, it will depend, um, but again, kiln-dried stock, most times, if it's a good stable board, a kiln-dried piece of wood uh, should be able, even if it's still got a little bit too much moisture in it, uh, mm-hmm. should be able to be milled evenly on both sides and stay relatively flat. That, of course, the, uh, the, the exception there is when that board it has problems, you know, and it's got right. internal stresses, which could also be the case. It's just hard to say. But if I let it be, it would eventually sort of... It will most likely stabilize to some extent. It will get uh-huh. it will get more stable. And the question, the unknown factor here that happens with all lumber is sometimes even after it gets to that point where it's at equilibrium with its environment, there may be other things going on that cause those boards to be unstable. So it's it's kind of hard to say for sure what the actual situation is with those boards. But sure. you know, I just get nervous when I start having boards that warp all over the place because either there is a moisture problem or there's an internal stress problem. And if it's an internal stress problem, that may not be the best wood to put into your project. Right. Because it's always going to want to do something different than what you want it to do. Right, right. You know? So, I mean, is there uh, too much potato chip to where it's like, I definitely should, shouldn't should use that, you know, well, that if you piece? Can't... Or is there... Is there some wiggle room as far as, you know? Well, in this particular project, there is quite a bit of wiggle room because most of these boards uh, are are sort of being attached to a framework and you don't necessarily have to depend on them being... It's not like we're doing a tabletop. Uh, yeah. You know, in a tabletop, you need those things to be flat. And if they're not, you're right. going to notice it. So with this particular project, this is actually one where you can get away with these boards doing something a little bit funky. Uh, the key is to cut down the time between the milling of the stock and the joinery. And then when you actually glue them up, because once you mill these down, if they're going to move a little bit, it's better to have them glued up and stuck together so that they don't move so much. You're restricting uh, their movement. Okay. You know, so if you move quickly, you might be able to get away. But th- there's definitely some wiggle room in this project. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well, uh, yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah. Keep me posted on your progress and uh, okay. s- send me pics or anything. Let me know where you're at. And uh, I can't wait to see it. Sounds cool. Yeah. Great. Thanks. All right, Dax. Take care. All right. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Hello, Will. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? Good. How's it going? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. I was hoping to pick your brain on something. Pick it, my friend. Pick it. Okay. Well, I think I, I sent you that blog posting recently about this, this crib I'm building. And okay. on the top of the posts, I have these, um, bridal joints, I guess you call them. Okay. 
And uh, I noticed something. So I'm using cherry, and it's actually the same cherry stock I used to build an entertainment center a while back. So this wood's been sitting in my basement here in Michigan for two years now. So it's it's dry. Okay. And uh, when I made bridal joints on the entertainment center, I had no problems at all. But uh, on the crib, I noticed when I relieved the material in the center that would receive the tenant. So I guess you could call it a mortise. But it's yeah, it's like an open, yeah, like an open mortise of sorts. Right. When I did that, I noticed uh, considerable deflection of the two pieces that remained, and they kind of curved back towards the center because the pressure had been relieved. Okay. And I was – so basically what I did is I, I made my tenon and I had my mortise and it's kind of hard to get the tenon in there. Right. Now, if I took more material off of my tenon, I'm going to get a tight fit at the tip but then down deep in the joint, I'm going to have a gap. Right. And I was wondering, what do you do about this? Like should I be – should I make some sort of a wedge and like – like you know pry the thing apart so i can fit my tenon in there and then it'll just lock it real tight i mean this i'm just kind of nervous about the glue up that i have coming down yeah there. yeah it can be a little bit sketchy because you don't want to force it too much you don't want to crack something but at the same time i see what you're saying if you relieve stock off of either the 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 mortise you know the female of the bridal joint or uh the tenon you're going to have some fit issues so um, personally, if it were me, because you know, you remove the proper amount of stock and basically this is just the wood sort of reacting after stock's been removed, almost like when you make a long rip cut, uh, that the boards almost never stay straight. They always want, cause that pressure is released and they always want to bend a little bit. Um, so my instinct, if, and again, this is going to depend on the specifics of that project. If it was in my hands, I might be able to, to say for sure one way or the other, but I would try to get that tenon in there. Um, there are chances are it's not going to take that much pressure to get those pieces spread out enough that it will accept the tenon. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you do have some sort of a wedge that you could put into one side and, and kind of twist it to open things up a little bit as you put the tenon in there. And maybe if you can, I don't, I don't know the exact structure of the piece, but it'd be great if you could just focus on one of those at a time and let one dry before you start adding the other parts. Cause if you're doing, doing two or three of these at once, it seems like that's going to be a little bit of a, a challenge to get everything to work properly. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is kind of scary. Cause like, but basically it's, there's only, they're only around the top and basically yeah. you have a rail along the top that meets the top of the posts right um but that top rail also has all the spindles going into it and i was kind of hoping to do a pre-assembly mm. and connect that top rail to the middle rail and all the spindles okay. and get that all locked in and then i would somehow push on from the sides the posts <laughs> yeah yeah i told no i totally understand if if you can't i mean if you can't manage to get that to work one thing that you can also try and this is, I don't know, it's a little bit of a desperate measure, but uh, as we know, when you put water on a pr one particular side of a piece of wood, that side expands and it tends to uh, to cup. So if you possibly put a little bit of water on the inside of that bridal joint, uh, the female portion, uh, it's going to expand a little bit and you may actually wind up, even if it's just temporary, you may wind up reversing that cup a little bit. And that mm -hmm. may give you just enough uh, wiggle room that you could squeeze that tenon in. Then when it dries, and especially once you have glue and clamps on there, that pressure that when it goes back to where it was before, that's going to work in your favor. I mean, that's like automatic clamping pressure for you. 
so what would you uh, suggest? Would you suggest like making like a wooden shim to kind of hammer into the backside to spread it or what would you use to spread apart those two parts of the female yeah you gotta obviously be careful because you don't want to dent anything so that's always a challenge i would probably just get a little wedge of uh, a wood you know that's a pretty severe angle and i would just kind of carefully i mean again this would be a lot of fiddling with this piece if i had it in my hands just to see if this is something that could realistically work um, but I would try and just slowly push that wedge in from the one side as the, uh, you know, the other piece, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, the tenon is coming in from the other end so that eventually the tenon will kind of come through and just pop that wedge out once it's all the way in. Oh, um, I see. You know, I, but, that's a good idea. But again, make sure you at least try, put a little bit of water, take a you know paintbrush or a sponge or something and just sponge a little bit of water on the inside of that uh, that mortise there and see if you can't get those ends to buckle out the other way. You don't think that'll compromise the glue joint? Oh, I wouldn't do that necessarily at the same time that you're gluing it unless you maybe want to switch to like a polyurethane glue that kind of thrives on having a little bit of moisture in the joint. That's certainly one option, but I'm I'm just kind of talking about, well, let me put it this, put it this way. Since you're using, a, even if you use PVA, like a water-based glue, uh, that kind of has the same effect. So if if you get the pieces to spread apart, they don't necessarily go back right away. They uh, the, the water will absorb a little bit, the joint will start to dry, and it won't necessarily shrink right back. So that may be the sweet spot where you then apply glue and pop everything in. Because essentially mm-hmm. the glue on the inside of that joint is going to have the same effect because it does have moisture in it. And if, there's, if the wood inside there is a little bit wet when you first start that, it's probably not going to hurt anything just because it's water-based glue going into a joint that has a little bit of water in it. Okay. Yeah, that, that's what I Thanks would. Uh, yeah, I'd give that a shot. Let me know how it turns out for you. Okay, I will. All right, will take care. Okay. Yep, bye bye. Bye bye. Hello, Jay. Hey, how's it going? Good. How you doing? Good. Excellent. Um, I had some really basic questions. Sure. Um, I'm actually uh, mostly mostly related to the cyclone. I'm about to buy kind of the same rig you have. Oh, okay, uh, nice. But I, I was just curious, like, what. Uh, you know, is, if you were going to redo your dust collection, uh, mm-hmm. would you do the same exact thing again? I I probably would. Yes, um, I've thought about it a number of times. You know, now with the, the the show doing well, if I really wanted to, you know, say replace something, I could probably I could justify it uh, and, and call it a business expense if I really wanted to. Um, but I really like the clear view. I think uh, it's really one of the best bangs for the buck just in terms of getting a powerful five horsepower cyclone that has a high cfms that's certainly uh competitive with any oneida unit or grizzly unit or uh, any of these other ones that are on the market and it's priced lower uh to, to get a five horsepower system in any other brand you know is probably going to be nearly twice the price um so for me i think for my money the system is definitely the clear view is definitely the cyclone that i would get again um I would also go with the metal duct work, which is what I did when I moved to the new shop. I got rid of the plastic and went all metal, uh, which works. You know, you have to kind of rig it up to make sure it goes into the input port on the Cyclone, but it works great. Um, So, yeah, frankly, I think I probably would do it again. Um, You know, the one concern a lot of people have is that the the Clearview is made out of plastic. Um, But I have to remind folks that there's a lot of really durable things, important things that we use all the time that are made out of plastic. Festool is plastic. Um, you know, bulletproof plastic <laughs> protects people behind, you know, banking windows and things like that. So uh, plastic can be pretty tough stuff and just it's not really so much a gimmick as it's just a way that they were able to uh, manufacture this thing at a very low cost, 
which is why I think it's such a good bargain. So yeah, yeah. It, uh, the long answer, <laughs> yeah. uh, but the, the short answer is yes, I, I would probably do the same thing again. Um, well, then the other thing is you went with the economy uh, metal ducting. Would you do the spiral stuff or would you do the exact same? Would you do the economy version from Pentac- or what, I guess it was oh, um, Penn State, right? Yeah, Penn State. Um, um, would you do the same or would you upgrade the, the metal duct work? If I had unlimited unlimited money, like an unlimited budget where it just didn't really matter, uh, I would probably go with the spiral because the spiral, generally speaking, uh, is the better stuff. But with my budget and the differences that I've seen and heard about in performance between, let's say, the 26-gauge snap lock versus the spiral, I don't think that that difference is substantial enough to justify the cost difference. So the frugal side of me that does care how much this stuff costs Right. Uh, says says no, I, I would not buy the spiral uh, if I were to do it again, just because that's extra money that I'm spending and not seeing a huge gain in performance from it. Right. You know, the other thing is simplicity in terms of cutting that spiral ductwork. Uh, it comes together. Obviously, it's a solid piece, and you've got to cut that. Uh, the great thing about the snap lock is it's shipped um, detached, so you can lay the pieces out flat. Excuse me, and just use uh, just like tin snips to cut it to size. So the installation is actually really fast on that. And 26 gauge is is plenty. 26 gauge is definitely my five horsepower cyclone doesn't even think about collapsing 26 gauge. So okay, so how many? I guess the question is from start to finish when you got your cyclone and you set up all your ductwork the second time around when you did this the the, the metal stuff. Uh-huh. How long did it, how long did it take you to do that? Uh, well, when I when I moved into the house, the first time I moved away from the big shop, uh, that's when I switched to metal for the, the first time. Uh, that was a weekend project. You know, I mean, I took my time with it. It took me a couple days. Uh, but the second time when I moved to, back to the big shop, that took me about three or four days. And the reason was because I actually ran it one way and was like, this is not working. Like, I, I don't know what I was thinking. It, it just seemed like at the time on paper, it seemed like the most efficient way to go. But I had piping where it just didn't look good and it would have looked terrible in the show. So I said, forget it. I'm tearing it all down and starting over again. So with 16 foot ceilings and trying to get this thing to maneuver around the shop, that took me a, a little bit longer. But really, for the average shop, you could pipe that thing out. And in, in, if you have a little bit of help, you could certainly do it in a day. Uh, and if it's a smaller shop, you could do it in a day. But I think the average shop for the average person is probably going to be a two day project. Okay. Um, and then I guess, does it, does it make any difference between the left or the right hand version of that? I guess it, at all. Yeah. It, it, the only difference is it depends on where you're positioning it in your shop. And I get them confused on how they label them, but look at the picture closely. And you, what you're looking for is where the, um, the intake shoot is coming out. So basically they're mirror images of each other. So it just depends on whether you're going right or going left. So wherever the, the cyclone is going to be positioned in your shop, just look at it. If you were standing straight on, is, is your pipe, your ductwork going to be going to the right or to the left? And you right. want, basically you want that intake shoot. Uh, from what I understand, you would want that closer to the wall because obviously that's where all the support is going to be when you run it along the wall. Right. So that's that's really the only difference. But performance wise and everything, it makes no difference at all. It just depends on your shop. Uh, worst case scenario, though, you can turn it around the other way. It just means your piping, your ductwork is actually going to start about f- a foot away from the wall. So you'll have to kind of angle it toward the wall a little bit and then just make a little bit of a turn so that it snugs up against the wall nicely. Yeah, I, I considered building like a closet outside my shop to put 
put the thing in mm-hmm. for the noise. I consider that or just keeping it in the shop. I don't know. You, yours is in your shop. Is it too loud? or You, you know, when you've got enough space, it really dissipates quickly. Now, bottom line is I'm never going to turn that thing on without my you know ear protection on anyway, just as a safety measure. Uh, but it's significantly quieter in the big shop than it was when I was in my three-car garage uh, with a well-insulated space and that much you know, space with the low ceilings. Wow, that thing really just reverberated. It was super loud. Um, but I'm pleasantly surprised by how quiet it is in the shop now. But if you can, if you have the means to build a little closet or an outdoor space for it, so much more pleasant of an experience to work around. Uh, so if you have the means, absolutely, I highly recommend it. I just didn't have that that option. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm. I'm it's I'm, a treat. I went. I went with the saw stop. Uh, five horsepower okay uh over the paramedic but then i'm getting uh all the helical i'm getting the a 20 inch uh and then an eight inch and then you know everything else paramedic sweet so, yeah so it's it's um, you know it's 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 i've got to put in all the electrical and i've got to put in the, the cyclone which is basically the thing i'm waiting on all the equipment's here but i'm waiting on the dust collection so gotcha but yeah i did want to mention that there are other great companies out there i know oneida if if you've got a few more bucks to throw at it uh, they've got their duct uh, planning service that you can use, and they will take good care of you, but you're looking at a much heavier unit, and you're going to pay a lot more to get a similar amount of CFMs that you can get from the, the Clearview. But that said, they are one of the best in the industry. So if you uh, were in the market, Oneida certainly is a good option, too. Oh, yeah. Well, listen, I just want to say I like your show a lot, and cool. thanks for the time. Awesome, man. Thanks a lot. Take care, and good luck with that. It sounds like you've got your hands full with the with the shop now, so... Oh yeah, I got a lot of work to do. Cool, cool. Send pictures. I want to see it when it's uh, when it's all done. I will do that. All right, man. Take care. Okay. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye. So that's another installment of board meetings, and thanks to everyone for calling in. If you'd like to participate in our board meeting chats, you'll need to join the guild. So head on over to woodwhispererguild.com to sign up. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.